My grandfather, William James Doyle, was born in Petty Harbor, Newfoundland in 1861, just a few years ago. Petty Harbor is about 20 minutes or so southeast of St. John's. There's also a, a Doyle's Road in Goulds, which is right by Petty Harbor, that is also connected uh, to my family. Question, am I related to the great Canadian singer and actor, Alan Doyle, who comes from Petty Harbor? Don't know. But there's a chance we might share some DNA, but don't ask me to sing. My uh, great-grandfather married Mary Jane Bennett from Holyrood, Newfoundland, and those of you familiar with that part of Newfoundland know uh, that there's a Bennett Lane in Holyrood. That's the Bennetts that my family hail from. And one of my older cousins left this comment about my great-grandfather on an Ancestry website. He was a splendid entrepreneur and quite vocal about his political opinions. There was a little bit of what I would call a fighting Irish spirit in him where it was easy to push his buttons and get a strong reaction. And as I look through the generations of my family since then, myself, my dad, my brother, my three kids, we all have this strong-willed, opinionated side of, of my great-grandfather where it's easy to push our buttons and get a significant vocal reaction. <clears throat> family gatherings of the Doyle side of my family are animated, loud, and opinionated. It's great fun. My great-grandfather uh, moved from Petty Harbor to Halifax, where he went into a partnership with another guy and set up a coal distribution company. He did really well. My grandfather, number 10 of 11 kids, remembers living in a luxury home with servants in the home, I mean the lap of luxury. While we don't know the full story, it appears that my great-grandfather allowed his buttons to be pushed a bit too easily, began to drink a bit too much at the same time, which in turn made it easier for those buttons to be pushed. Somewhere along the line, this led to the business partnership crashing, and my great-grandfather's business partner was able to take all of the business, leaving my grandfather with nothing. The trauma of what that happened blew the family up so that the 11 kids took off and spread all over Canada and more so to the U.S. They didn't stay in contact with each other. They just went their own way. A couple of my second cousins right now have been working hard to get us all reconnected. It's been a sweet journey, but, but it has a ways to go. We still can't find major parts of our family. In studying my family history, I realized that we have not always done well at navigating strong emotions and feelings, and we have often been too easily triggered. But sometimes, you, like me, we like to blame our backgrounds and our DNA and excuse those parts of us that are a bit negative. But still, God holds us to his standards, no matter what behavior patterns or DNA we've inherited. You and me cannot let our family backgrounds, our DNA, excuse bad behavior or the poor processing of negative emotions and feelings. All of us, all of us come from sinful, broken family patterns that get passed down from generation to generation. And while these patterns are deep and strong within us, as followers of Jesus, we have the resources we need to turn these around for the good. Okay. We're in a message series called Grow. And one of the areas that we need to grow in is how we manage our feelings and emotions. And this lifelong challenge is not just for me, it's for all of us. 
But hey, I admit there are areas that I can be triggered in, and I cannot excuse that. God does not excuse that. And it's true for all of us. We all have areas where we need to get our feelings and emotions under control. So this message today is as much for me as it is for you. We all need to learn how to seek God for the help we need to manage our feelings and emotions for the good. Take a moment right now to think about a negative feeling or emotion that hijacked you this past week or month. You've got at least one. I mean, I, I can think of a couple. So yeah, think of maybe one emotion or feeling that you recently struggled with that was not healthy. And let's see what God wants to do uh, for you in this area of your life, because today I want to talk about how to deal with how you feel. Sounds okay? Let me start with the good about feelings and emotions that we have. Let's go to something that Jesus said, and if you've been around Fort City in any length of time, you've heard it over and over. But as I read these words of Jesus again to you, listen for the emotion in these words. The most important commandment is this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Do you hear the emotion in these words of Jesus? God wants to have an emotionally passionate relationship with you and me. He, he doesn't want just head knowledge. He's looking for us to be full of love where we are passionately and are emotionally connected to him. Friends, our God is an emotional God. God has feelings. God feels joy. He feels grief. He feels pain. He feels hatred towards sin. And the only reason you have emotions is because you are made in the image of God. If God were not an emotional God full of feelings, you would not have all those feelings and emotions that you have. Okay, let's go to the first book of the Bible where we read, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Do you see it there? Emotions are a gift from God. They come from being made in the image of God. Uh, emotions, they, they may not always seem like a gift, right? But... Even the negative ones have a role to play in your life. Emotions are a great asset. They're the one thing that, that makes you human. Otherwise, you, you'd just be a robot. It's your emotional ability that allows you to love and create and be faithful and loyal and kind and generous and all the emotions that are attached to the good things in life. But as you're aware... Ever since the fall of mankind, where sin entered into our world and into our own personal experience, emotions and feelings can also have a negative side to them, even though they are ultimately good. And that's why as part of our growth as, as people who follow Jesus, we, we need to see what the Bible has to say about how we can manage our emotions. We need to learn to transform our feelings and emotions so that they're truly an asset. Learning to manage our emotions uh, is the key to peace of mind, the key to success, and a lot of other things. Well, some of my family will say that the issue of the collapse of my great-grandfather's business was a, a crooked partner, and, and that is probably true. The, the guy was a crook, no doubt. But when you look underneath the surface, you find there's a sec another side to the story, and that poorly managed emotions likely played a, a role in what led to that collapse. Friends, we don't have to let our feelings and emotions get the better of us like my grandfather did. 
We don't have to let feelings and emotions lead us to do things we will later regret. As we follow Jesus, we can begin to navigate emotions and feelings so that they become an asset and not a liability. Okay, let me keep going here and offer a few more thoughts why we, why we need, to, uh, manage our, uh, need to manage our emotions. Now I get, most of us probably understand this, but still we, we let our emotions get the better of us. But one of the reasons we need to manage our emotions well, and, and you do know this, is because our feelings are often unreliable and they can be easily manipulated. Sometimes, and I include myself here, I, I just feel it in my gut and you feel it and you do it and it doesn't work out. Ever been there? Sure you have, because not everything you feel is right. Not, yeah, not everything you feel is reality. Some of the feelings you have about yourself are flat out wrong. You, belie- you believe bad stuff that about yourself that just isn't true. You do the same thing with feelings about other people. Sometimes you believe the worst about others, but it's not true. How often have you heard it said, if it feels good, do it, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that feels good that in the end will destroy you. People get sucked in by wrong feelings all the time. That's why King Solomon wrote, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Just because you feel it doesn't make it true. Friends, if you don't learn to control your emotions, they will control you, and you will be manipulated by your moods and feelings. If you let your feelings dictate what you think and do, you will be manipulated by others. You will be manipulated by social media and by good advertising, maybe by bad advertising. And not only that, you will be manipulated by the evil one. You've got to know the truth, the truth of the Bible. And you must let truth triumph over feelings. I saw a post on Facebook a while back from a friend here in Fort McMurray. There's this picture of a guy beaming from ear to ear with this beautiful, I think it's a Ram 2500 Laramie, I can't quite remember, with all the bells and whistles. And the post says, just dropped in to look around at a few trucks and came out with this beauty. I couldn't be happier. Uh, Don't get me wrong, I, I own a Dodge Ram and I like it a lot, but... That dude, just on a whim, walked into a dealership here one afternoon and came out with maybe $100,000 in debt, but he's smiling. That's the ultimate in impulse buying. That's letting your feelings lead you. I, I wonder what his wife thought. Anyways, have you ever bought something only to come home and say, why in the world did I buy that? Because someone got to your emotions and you went... I feel like I really need that. Again, listen to the words of King Solomon. Like an open city with no defenses is the man with no check on his feelings. You have no check on your feelings. No governor. You have no filter. You have no manager of your feelings. Solomon says you're you're like a city with no defenses. You're you're just going to go down and collapse like quick. The same verse in the New Living Translation says, a person without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Not only are you defenseless against the manipulation of other people, but you are defenseless against your old sin nature. And that makes you vulnerable to the work of the evil one who, who uses feelings to manipulate you. And his agenda is pure destruction in your life. 
What we're talking about is part of the spiritual war that is going on for your life and my life. The battle is daily. The, the war is intense. This is why the Apostle Peter says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, to be controlled by human nature results in death. To be controlled by the Spirit results in life and peace. Those who obey their human nature cannot please God. That's really clear, right? Okay, let me give you one more reason to make managing your emotions a priority, and that is we need to manage our emotions because we, we want to succeed in life. It appears that the story of my great-grandfather is a cautionary tale of someone who let his emotions get away from him, and, and as things began to spiral, he turned to alcohol, and that only made things worse. Well-managed emotions, sometimes we call it emotional intelligence or relational intelligence, is one of the key predictors of success or failure in life. Study after study uh, has shown that your EQ is more important than your IQ. That for success at work, your emotional quotient is far more important than your intelligence quotients. Now, I wasn't raised that way. My family put a high value on IQ and thought EQ was for weak people. Throughout my life, I've had to unlearn that and realize that EQ is far more important than IQ. It's been a good journey. God is awesome. Listen once again to the words of wisdom of Solomon. People get lost. He's, he's talking about people getting lost in life. People get lost and die because of their foolishness and lack of self-control. Like, how many people do you know who ruin their reputation because of their lack of self-control? How many people do you know who ruined a job opportunity because uh, they mouthed off somewhere or something happened at a party that was just stupid or or that party that led to an unwanted pregnancy maybe and things just went downhill from there. People get lost. People even die because of their foolishness and lack of self-control. Politicians and pastors included, we can all name a few right now, we're, yeah, we're just all flawed human beings, all of us, you, me, all of us. So hopefully you, you really get this. Well, you and I both must learn to manage our emotions. I'm pretty sure that you already got it, but I, I just wanted to drive home this thought that we need to manage our emotions well because our, our feelings are often unreliable. They, they can be easily manipulated. Left unchecked, unmanaged emotions can rob us of the success in life that God has for us. So let me get real practical now and give you some things that you can be uh, doing to get your emotions under control, a, a question that you need to ask, and then an action that you need to do and keep on doing. So first, a, a question that you need to ask and probably need to keep on asking, and then an action if you want to become an emotionally strong person. First, a question. Why am I really what am I really feeling and why? You've you got to ask that question. What am I really feeling and why? You need to scratch beneath the surface because so often what you think you're feeling is not the real feeling. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm feeling a bit down today. I got the blues. I'm a bit depressed. And you think your problem is depression. You need to look a little further and ask, why am I feeling depressed? Oh. I got criticized at work and I didn't like that. 
I just got laid off. Well, that's a big deal. Maybe it's something in a relationship that didn't go the way that you wanted it to, not just at home, but at work. With someone you work with, something went south, and that's got you feeling down. Another way to ask this question is, you know, to help you get at your real feelings is, what triggered this? What are my triggers? I've had to figure out my triggers. I've got a few. Over time, I'm doing better, but I still can get triggered. We all do. You do. I mean, let's just be honest with each other about this, okay? Old Testament Job had a, a friend who helped him figure out what was triggering him, who helped him understand what the real reason was for what he was feeling, and his name was Eliphaz. And Eliphaz asked Job, why has your heart carried you away, and why do your eyes flash? In other words, Eliphaz is asking Job, how come you've run off the deep end? Why do you get so angry? Hey, do you have a friend who has permission to ask you questions like that without you getting angry at them? You need that. You, you need spiritual friends in your life like that. Maybe a member of the small group you're a part of. You, you need to give someone permission to ask you the tough questions. Maybe your spouse. Maybe someone who isn't your spouse. Another helpful thing to do or figure out, if I were to ask you to name the emotion that gives you the most trouble in life, would you be able to name it? If you can't, you're not as in touch with yourself as you think you are. Because you and me both, we have certain emotions that give us trouble with triggers that trigger those emotions. And we, need, we, we really need to be able to name those triggers and name those emotions they trigger. Can you do that? Do you have someone to help you with that? A spouse, a friend, maybe a counselor. Don't be afraid to take some of this stuff to a counselor. And friends, if you can't name the emotion that you're struggling with or, or the triggers that are causing the emotion, you, you won't be able to tame it or get it under control. So first off, you've got to name the emotion and, and, and what triggers the emotion, and, and you do that by asking a, a few questions that help you get there. So that leads to the action we need to take and keep on taking, and quite simply, it's you've got to tame the emotion or feeling, right? That's the action. You've got to tame the emotion or feeling, and you, you tame it in, in one of two ways, either by changing it altogether or by learning how to channel it in a positive direction. This, by the way, nicely leads into our time of communion. In a few moments, uh, we'll be worshiping by taking bread that pictures the, the body of Christ nailed to the cross and payment for our sin, and drinking juice that pictures the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sin and makes us whole. The Apostle Peter, quoting uh, the prophet Isaiah, tells us that what Jesus did on the cross for us is incredibly powerful, not just to save us for eternity, but to transform how we live right now. Peter writes about Jesus' death. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. The power to change is found in the finished work of the cross. 
The power to work with our emotions, change our emotions, channel our emotions, comes from what Jesus did for us on the cross. He purchased our wholeness, including our emotional wholeness and health on the cross. By his wounds, we are healed. It has already been done for us. So with the help of Jesus and his spirit in us, sometimes you just need to change what you're feeling. The Apostle Paul said this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So again, uh, another good question you can ask is, how would Jesus feel in this situation? What, would Jesus get irritated with this person at the Air Canada counter? No. Would Jesus be yelling at this person? No. Would Jesus be fearful? No. Would Jesus be worried? No. So when you know the mind of Jesus, calling on the Holy Spirit to empower you because your emotional wholeness has already been purchased. When you know the mind of Jesus, you instantly dismiss any feelings that do not make you more like Jesus. Make sense? The power of Jesus is available to help you do this. Jesus would not be envious. Jesus would not be bitter. Jesus would not be enraged. So you instantly, drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit, you instantly drop that attitude or feeling or emotion. But sometimes, sometimes what you need to do is to channel that negative emotion towards good. And what I mean is you, you take that emotion and you turn it into something positive. Sometimes you just can't always drop the emotion, so instead you need to channel it for the good. This can be done. Let, let's say you've been a victim of some sort of injustice. You've experienced prejudice, maybe racial profiling. You've experienced unfairness at work. And naturally, the emotion that comes to the surface is anger. It's a legitimate response. Can anger be used for good to help other people? Absolutely. You, you can become a champion for justice because you know what it means to experience injustice. Now. When you use anger for your own benefit to make you, yeah, just feel better, that's generally sin. But when you use anger for the benefit of others, it's called righteous anger. Anger is not sin. The Apostle Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Righteous anger is for the benefit of others. Otherwise, it, it tends to be sinful. A another good question maybe as you're working through these emotions, is what pain in your life are you using for good? Maybe you've been in so much pain you didn't even want to talk about it. The, the death of a loved one, a, a marriage that collapsed, a, a job you lost. You need, with God's help, to, to channel these emotions so that they become healthy for you and good for others. So when it comes to these emotions, these, these attitudes that are destructive in your life, you either have to change them or you have to channel them. And remember, you're not left alone to do this. Jesus purchased our wholeness on the cross. It's our privilege to ask Jesus to transform us more and more right now so that we can have the self-control we need to either change or channel these emotions or feelings. This is what Paul says. Many of you know this passage real well. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We must be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. So here's the key. I do this. I do this every single day. Every single day, I don't get out of bed. I don't let my feet touch the ground without me saying, Holy Spirit, fill me today. I need your spirit in my life because it's only by your power that I'm going to be able to manage my feelings and emotions. It's only by your spirit that I can manage my moods today. So you do that every day, every day. And this ability to manage our emotions is possible because Jesus purchased our wholeness, our emotional control on the cross. We won't expect, you know, we won't experience perfection until eternity, but we can grow every day. We, we can ask God every day to take his finished work on the cross and apply it to more and more of our lives every day. And as we ask the Holy Spirit to do this in us, so in a moment, as an act of faith, declaring that Jesus has purchased your wholeness on the cross. I'm going to ask you to come forward and take a communion package that is up here and then bring it back to your seat. And when you come forward, you are making a statement of faith. By coming forward, you are declaring to everyone else in this community, I am a believer in Jesus. Now, as you come forward, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come forward to thank Jesus for purchasing your wholeness on the cross. You can do that as you come forward. Just, just, just give him thanks. And when you're back in your seat with your elements and you partake of your elements there, before you open up the package, just ask the Holy Spirit to fill you anew, giving you the strength you need to either change or channel feelings and emotions for the good. And after you sought the Holy Spirit to fill you anew, peel off the first layer of that package and take the bread and eat it with thanksgiving, thanking Jesus for giving his life for you so that you can live life to the full, so that you can live with emotional health. And then peel off the next layer and drink the juice as you give thanks for the shed blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that cleanses you, that transforms you into the person with emotional strength that God would have you be. Through communion today, let's both worship and seek God to do an ongoing work of transformation in our lives. Let's make this a sacred time of both worship and life transformation. Would you join me in a moment of prayer and then after prayer come forward as an act of worship to receive communion um, that you can take back to your seat and just have a sacred time with Jesus. Make this prayer that I'm about to pray your own prayer as well. Would you pray in your heart with me? Dear Jesus. Just thank you for purchasing my wholeness on the cross. Thank you that what you did on the cross makes me emotionally strong, emotionally healthy. As I partake of the bread and juice, fill me again with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to change or the power to channel my emotions for the good. I thank you that all this transformation is possible because of your love for me. In Jesus' name, amen.